Beginning in verse 9 this morning, our text says, This then is how you should pray. Say that with me. This then is how you should pray. Our study for the next several weeks will have that theme. This then is how, say how, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. May God add understanding to the reading of his word together. Familiar words, aren't they? Familiar words. As we begin our study of what is known as the Lord's Prayer, I want to remind you from last week that Jesus has talked about how not to pray. How not to pray. And we remember the principles that we learned in that regard. Number one was don't pray so that other people can see you pray. <laughs> don't pray so that other people see how spiritual you are. Don't pray so that that is your intention to be seen by men, but that your intention is to be seen and heard by your Heavenly Father. Number two, and I like this part, Jesus said, don't go on just babbling. <laughs> I, I like that part. I like that part. You don't pray just so you can hear your own voice praying. And, and, and just wordy babbling. We're not to pray self-centered babbling prayers to make others think we are spiritual. Instead, as we just read in verse 9, this, then, is how you should pray. Say how. How you should pray. Note, he does not say, this, then, are the words you should pray. Okay? He doesn't say, these are the words you should pray. He said, this is how you should pray. I will suggest as we proceed that I am not interested in memorization of the words to this, but it is the Lord's pattern for our prayers. However, most of us have probably memorized it through the years and probably know it, and that's fine. And, that, and that's, I'm not saying that's a problem, but I'm saying for the purpose of what we want to learn from the words of the Lord over the next weeks. We want to learn how to pray, not memorize the words. You with me? We want to learn the Lord's pattern for our prayers. His pattern for our prayers. I might even suggest, and I have given thought, that the memorization of this prayer may have done many people a disservice in the advancement of their faith. 
even the opening words here may give the people the notion that the plural wording our father okay indicates a specifically worded prayer designed to memorize and to be recited in the context of the corporate worship experience our father having studied these words meditated over them over the last few weeks I believe that was not the intent and the heart of Jesus here yes I memorized it as well but may I say to you that Jesus gave his disciples and therefore gave us a gift far beyond a memorized often repeated prayer here Jesus taught us how to pray. I think last week I said that Jesus is the master teacher and the master prayer, and he is teaching a master class on prayer here. Teaching a master class on prayer. I must give credit to my friend Mitchell Birch who I first heard preach a series on this theme, on the idea of the Lord's Prayer as a pattern for prayer. And it kind of changed forever the way I think about this text and this prayer. Let's look at the first verse of the pattern. Say pattern. The first verse of the pattern, remember this is how we should pray first our father in heaven our father in heaven the right kind of prayer friend comes to God as your father in heaven in the right kind of prayer you approach God as your father in heaven it rightly recognizes who we pray to coming with a privileged title that demonstrates a privileged relationship God the Father has a privileged title above all and we can come to him in a privileged relationship with him amen now it was very unusual for the Jews of that day to call God Father this is a really important point here it was not the norm for the Jews to address God as father in fact it was kind of prohibited the Jews of the day did not call God father it was considered too intimate it was considered too close a relationship so it is true that God is the mighty sovereign of the universe who created and governs and judges all things but he is also to us a father God is our father from a biblical perspective not only did the Jews not address him as father but there is little in the Old Testament referring to God the Creator 
as our Father. You don't find addressing God as Father very much in the Old Testament. There is much more emphasis on God as the great and almighty creator, the great lawgiver, and that he is holy and that man is not. Did you hear that? He is holy and man is not. And there is distance between man and God. That was the emphasis of Old Testament teaching. There is great, uh, great focus and lots of texts on God as sovereign and all-powerful and holy in the Old Testament. Amen. But there are a couple of exceptions. I like this one. Isaiah chapter 63 beginning in verse 16. Isaiah says, But you are our father. Though Abraham does not know us, or Israel acknowledge us, you, Lord, are our father, our redeemer from of old is your name. Friends, Isaiah got a glimpse of God as father. You read the passages in, from, the, from the words, from the, from the mind and the, and the heart of the prophet Isaiah, and you get this beautiful picture of who God is, don't you? Remember, I, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Isaiah had seen the, the holiness and the greatness and the beauty of God in worship. But here he says, but you are our Father. The prophet Isaiah had a glimpse of God as Father and Redeemer. He saw, listen, Isaiah saw beyond man's limitations and the distance between man and God. Isaiah saw beyond that. As we have seen in the writings of the prophets, it was forecast, it was prophesied, that the relationship, the distance between man and God was going to be brought together, was going to be healed. The prophets looked forward to that day when that great gap between a holy God and sinful man would be bridged and would be healed. The prophets looked forward. There would come a Redeemer that would bring us access through who? To God the Father? The Redeemer is the Son, Jesus Christ, who reconciled, say reconciled, who bridged the gap between sinful man and holy God. See, I, Isaiah saw a day, friends, Isaiah saw a day when we could call him Father. Isaiah got a glimpse of what was to come. Because in his day, and in the teachings of his day, we could not call him Father. There was this gap between holy God and sinful man. That was the emphasis. You all right? The Redeemer is Jesus, 
who reconciled and bridged a gap between sinful man and holy God. And just a thought here, that Jesus is the one who is teaching us how to pray here. Ha <laughs> The prophet Malachi also saw God as Father. In Malachi 2.10, he says, Do we not all have one Father? Did not one God create us? The prophet Malachi got a glimpse of the Creator as Father. And he wrote that in his prophecy. That was not the terminology that was comfortable for the Jews. That concept of a great difference between man and God carried right up to the coming of the Lord Jesus. Malachi got a glimpse of the Creator as Father. But in the New Testament, after the coming of Jesus, although God remains holy and majestic in our eyes, and don't ever lose sight of that, friend, as close as you become to God the Father, don't lose sight that He remains holy and He remains majestic and he remains the great and awesome creator I'll talk about that in a minute Jesus adds a strikingly clear emphasis on God as father both his father and our father I said both his father and our father Woo! John 20 and 17 John 20 and 17, at the end of the book of John, Jesus had, had died on the cross and, and he had risen and he appeared to his disciples and these are the words that he said. Jesus said, I am ascending to my Father and your Father. I am ascending to my Father and he is your father hallelujah hallelujah I am ascending to my father and your father to my God and to your God he says see the tie in here he ties himself clearly to his heavenly father and then he connects us clearly to the heavenly father through him amen it is Jesus who cries out to God as Abba Father as he is praying and suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane. Mark 14, 36 says this, Abba Father, Jesus said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will but what you will. Jesus came to do the will of his heavenly Father. Amen. Jesus is eternally and forever tied to his heavenly Father. That's why we can say that Jesus 
when he walked the earth was all God and he was all man. He was all God and he was all man and he was constantly and permanently tied to his heavenly father. Even to the point of crying out to him in the garden as Abba, Daddy, Papa, Father. It is the Spirit of the Son who leads us into intimacy with God as our Abba Father. Let me say that again. It is the Holy Spirit of the Son who leads us into intimacy with God as our Abba Papa Father. Look at Galatians chapter 4. Absolutely powerful text of Scripture. The words of Paul, Galatians 4, beginning in 4. But when the set time had fully come, I can't just read through this without preaching a little. God had in his eternal mindset the set time for Jesus to come. From the beginning of time, in John 1, it says, for, for the Word was God, and God was the Word, and, and they are inseparable, and, and, and Jesus was part of that initial uh, creation in the mind and the heart of God. But when the set time had finally come, God sent, say sent, God sent His Son. When the set time had fully come, God sent His Son he must have been a father if he sent his... You okay? Born of a woman. Born under the law. To redeem. Oh, I love this text. In God's timing, he sent his son Jesus in that way, through the flesh. Landed on the earth. Born of a woman. Under the context of the Jewish law to redeem who to redeem those under the law that we just talked about that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you an heir. Pastor Dude, I can't think of many more powerful scriptures than this one. In the heart of the Father, at the beginning of time, there was a set time for the Son to come, for the Son to redeem. And He did that. And then, and, and, and then He also sent the Spirit into our hearts so that we might, so that we might be able to cry out, Abba, Father. Now, now go back a couple of minutes, rewind a couple of minutes. The preacher just said the Jews didn't call him father. 
Right? I want you to see a piece here, a little part here of the transformation in God's relationship between him and man that Jesus brought. The ability to call God the Father, Father. That's strong. See, he was a distant, he was a distant creator before. There was a gap. There was a separation. And although through some of the things of the law, the pattern was brought forth by which atonement for sin was symbolically made, and closeness although only, remember, only through the high priest once a year, and closeness could occur, but not for the mass of people. Jesus cured that. He solved that. He redeemed that. He bridged that. You couldn't call him father, and now you can call him father. I got excited when I came to a new realization of that this week. Amazing. You couldn't call him father. Now you can. And, and he says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. Start out and call him father. I'm sorry. This is good stuff. This is good stuff. Not only that, you can call him father, but you have all the benefits of sonship. Huh? You have all the rights and benefits of a son if you're his child. Because now he's daddy. And daddy loves his kids. Huh? Have you seen the blessing of God in your life? Wrought by the father into your life through the son and, and, and brought into your life through his spirit? Yes. We're not on, we not only can cry out to him as father, but we are, we are positioned as heirs in his house. We're put in place as a son, as a daughter. A couple other things. Therefore, now we know that as our Father, God cares for us and provides for us. As our Father, He hears and answers our prayers. There goes my water bottle. He, he receives us, forgives us, rejoices over us. Give me the next slide there, brother. In our text... It is Jesus who teaches us to pray as God our Father. Right? God the Father has made himself. God our Father means that he is personally, emotionally, and even sacrificially involved in our lives. We can approach and pray to God our Father. Look at the blessing of this transition. 
we can now call God our Father. Jesus has reconciled us to the Father. Almighty God has the complete and sole right to the title of Father. He is the Father and the Creator of every creature. And we approach Him keeping in mind His greatness and His holiness. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. He is the Father and Creator of every man. And He plants within every man, every, every child, their spirit. He is the maker of every person's body and the constant preserver of both. He is in an even higher sense the Father of His believing and obedient people, us, who He adopts into His family, regenerates by His great grace and restores to His image so that partaking of his nature, they become his genuine children who can with holy boldness call him our father, keeping in mind that hallowed holy is his name. Being that we have been made his children, we are blessed to call him our father. This is a prayer focused on community. Say community. Jesus didn't say here, and it's clearly the plural, he didn't say here, my father, he said our father. That's interesting. Our father. This whole prayer has a bit of a social community nature to it. The singular pronoun is not there. Man enters, listen, Man enters the presence of the Holy Father, and although seeking God as an individual, we pray as one of God's family, his children. Our Father. He is called our Father, the plural, so that even in secret prayer, we are constantly reminded of his other children. Are you reminded of other brothers and sisters as you come before him in prayer? Yes, you are, as we intercede, as we come before prayer needs that we learn. We approach him as our Father because we place our loved ones in the body under the umbrella of our Father. And so we are reminded, even from the beginning of our prayer time, that we are part of a family, and we call him our Father. We are reminded that we are all his children, that we ought to love one another fervently, praying not for ourselves only, but for others, and especially for our brothers and sisters in Christ, that God may give him the blessings that we request as we pray. Amen. Amen. What a blessing and what a privilege it is to come to God as our Father. As redeemed children, we have every right, amen, to approach him. Hebrews 4.16, another power verse. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. 
King James here, I like, uses the term boldness. You can come in prayer before your Father with confidence, with boldness. You're one of his kids. You're one of his kids. He is our Father, but he is our Heavenly Father. When we say in heaven, we remember God's holiness and his glory. He is our Father. His nature is a heavenly Father. And all glory and honor and praise belongs to him. When we say our Father, we're not reaching out to our earthly fathers. We are reaching out to our Father who is in heaven. Our Father in heaven. And then the next phrase, which is on the screen, says here, Hallowed be your name. This refers to the fact that God is holy. Hallowed is a form of the word holy. The word holy. The idea behind holiness is of separation, being set apart and unique. When you think about our God, in what ways does he demonstrate these qualities of holiness, of uniqueness, of separation? First of all, he is unique in all the universe. No one has his power. No one has his creativity. No one has his purity. There never has and never will be anyone like our God. Amen. Only God is worthy of our praise and our worship. Holiness. Hallowed be thy name. Holiness also means to separate or to cut off. God is entirely and infinitely pure. He is separate from anything that is sinful and cannot look at it or even tolerate it. That's the other reason. That's the other reason that through Jesus we can call him Father because there is forgiveness of sin in the Son. Amen. God is so holy that we can't even enter his presence if we are not holy too. His holiness is so powerful that we can't withstand it. That's why God told Moses to stop where he was when he approached the burning bush. But even then, his physical appearance changed. When God sent Jesus to die for our sins and then resurrected him, he bridged that gap for us so that we could enter into his presence Holy, holy. Jesus makes it possible for us to strive for holiness and be holy as he is holy. A few sobering verses about God's holiness. Hallowed be thy name. Exodus fifteen eleven. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you? Majestic in holiness. Awesome in glory. 
working wonders. Our God is a great God, a holy God. Psalm 96, 9. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. See, that was the Old Testament setting. Ezekiel 38, 23, And so I will show my greatness and my holiness. I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Didn't God in the Old Testament stories show his greatness time and time and time again? His awesome power was on display and the nations got a glimpse of it. Then they will know that I am the Lord. First Samuel. First Samuel 2. Verse 2. This is great. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. And then in Revelation, chapter 15, verse 4. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone, say you alone. For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Friends, the holiness of God surpasses all other beings. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Because he is uniquely the one true God, he is characteristically holy. Holy at its simplest is being completely set aside, unique and separate above all others. His holiness literally defines perfection. It is the all-encompassing word description that puts him in a category by himself. He is perfect and flawless and uncompromising. His character is of the highest integrity. He is truthful and he is just and he is righteous. And Jesus says, this is how you come to him, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen. You proclaim, listen, you proclaim his greatness and his holiness right out of the chute. <laughs> right from the start. I want to share some things that I wrote as part of my ordination process. One of the papers had to do with the nature and character of, of God. I got an A on the paper. A <laughs> little bit of what I wrote. God is the just God. His judgments are always correct. He always faithfully makes the right judgments because they are based on absolute truth. God has all of the evidence, so he alone is the holy and righteous judge. I said, God has all the evidence, and so he alone is the holy and righteous judge. God is the immutable 
God. He is the immutable God. That means he is unchanging. He is totally and completely faithful. All of his other attributes hinge on his unwavering, unchanging, immutable character. Therefore, we can totally depend on him in all days and in all circumstances. Hebrews 13.8 describes Jesus as the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the unchanging, immutable God. He is the omnipotent God. He is the all-powerful, completely able one. His power knows no boundaries, either in the physical or the spiritual realm. That which he speaks happens and exists. That which he wills is done and is created. I tell you, there is no one like our God. So where does that put us in the context of prayer? Where do we find ourselves having a little glimpse of the understanding of the greatness and the holiness of God? Where does that put us in the context of approaching him in prayer? I ask that question. Remember, Jesus here is giving a master class on prayer. These first words, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, set the tone for us to effectively pray. It positions us as prayers properly. Addressing God as both our Heavenly Father and appropriately as our awesome amazing and holy God. There's a life lesson here. Although Jesus has paid the price, although Jesus has bridged the gap, although we are reconciled to the Father, a healthy Christian life keeps the perspective of the holy, awesome nature of the Father. You with me? Although Jesus has bridged a gap, we need to constantly keep the perspective of the greatness of our God. As we come in prayer, we can come boldly because of the blood of Jesus, yet with the understanding that he is God and I am not. Say, he is God, I am not. He is, holy. he is holy. I am not. Except for by the blood of Jesus. Amen. We have been made pure. We have been made holy. We can be seen as righteous because of what Jesus has done. Amen. So because we can be seen as redeemed... We can be seen and are seen as forgiven. We can be seen as washed white as snow. All those descriptions of the believers that we can see in the scriptures. Because we can be seen as forgiven, we can approach as a child. And we can approach him as our father. 
So when you pray, this is where you need to start. This is where you need to start. I think that Jesus the Son understood completely and totally the awesome and holiness and power of God. And yet, he could cry out to him as his Abba Father. Amen. It doesn't hurt us to study the awesome creative power of our God. It's a good thing. Because it sets us in a perspective of how privileged and how blessed we are to call him Father. If we understand his greatness, and then we start to understand his goodness, <laughs> his, his love toward us, that positions us to approach him as Father. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Approach the Heavenly Father as your Father. Approach the Father as your Father in Heaven. Approach the Father in the context of His holiness. Hallowed be His name. That's the starting point. Amen? Amen. Let's listen to our theme song.